Okay, here we go. Uh, Acts chapter uh, 15, probably the closest to a church split uh, the uh, early church ever faced. Uh, they were mad at each other. They were hotly, I think they were yelling by the Greek. It seems to be that they were actually yelling and perhaps even screaming at one another. And uh, it was all over the Old Covenant. Uh, it was all over uh, the Mosaic Law. And the question was, how much of the Mosaic Law did followers of Christ have to adopt and live out and live by in order to become a follower of Jesus? And uh, that was a big deal. So questions like, uh, should we worship on Sunday or should we worship on the Sabbath? That was a big deal to them. Um, and that's still uh, a big deal to a lot of people today. People are still fighting over that one. Um, uh, you know, the food laws, can you have bacon? Is that okay? Um, every once in a while, Diana, a new book, you know, Eat What Jesus Ate. I think that was a bestseller. And suddenly now, no, no, you, you have to live according to the Levitical food laws if you really want to do it Jesus' way. That was the, the basic point of of uh, that book, and, and I had some of you come and say, is that true? Is, is it okay if I have some spare ribs, a little ham and scalped potatoes, is that okay, or is, is that wrong? Um, others uh, argue that we should still be observing feasts and festivals of the Old Testament, and where they celebrated Passover, we should be celebrating Passover, and all, all of those feasts and festivals of the Old Testament. So in Acts chapter 15, they're mad at each other over this issue, threatened to divide and split. The church is about 20 years old now, and uh, they're about to go at it, okay? Uh, Paul and Barnabas, we saw last week, returned from the very first missionary journey, and here's the report. It was amazing. Thousands and thousands of Gentiles, non-Jews, that's a Gentile, said yes to Jesus and have believed and received and have now become followers of Jesus Christ. So that's the setting, and now there's this serious threat and dissension in the early church. Let's read all about it, okay? Stand with me, Acts 15, start with verse 1. It's on the back of your bulletin if you don't have your Bible with you today. Acts 15, verse 1, we'll read uh, J down through verse 11, right? Here we go. Let's uh, read together. Here we go. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. 
Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. And after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. Let's pray. Lord, uh, this uh, question of how much Old Testament is required in the church today is still uh, debated. It, it's still contentious. It still gets ugly at times. So, Lord, I'm asking that as we uh, study this early dispute in the 20-year-old church, Lord, that you'd show us your answers. Help us to see very clearly what you require of us today, 2014, regarding Genesis to Malachi. So uh, we, we ask that your spirit might be welcomed and flow in your church today. Help us to tune in and hear clearly from your still small voice. And all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said in unity, you did good. I think you guys are more awake than the early service was, yeah. We are in verse 1, and uh, it says that certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers. Uh, who were these certain people who traveled hundreds of miles? Think with me now. Great cost, great time, great expense, traveled hundreds of miles to go to Syrian Antioch and to tell them their message. And if you slide down to verse 5, it tells us who they were. They were Pharisees. Now we know the most famous Pharisee of them all was, not Rudolph, Paul. Uh, the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. I mean, he was meticulous. He was zealous. He was devout and sincere. Uh, they were... They were meticulous law keepers of the day. Now, here's what's interesting. Some of the Pharisees became believers in Jesus. So they were Christ followers, but now they're Christ followers who have Phariseeism in their background. So when they come into the church, they bring their baggage with them. Did you know that happens, Penny? Uh, a lot of times we come into church, but we bring our baggage with us, and sure enough, the Pharisees brought their baggage with them, and here's what they said. Look at verse 1, back of your bulletin, if you don't have your Bible. They said, unless you're circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. 
Uh, we're okay with you Gentiles, non-Jews, coming to faith in Jesus. That's, that's cool. Uh, we're good with you here in the church. Um, but there's this little medical procedure that normally we do on eight-day-old baby boys that you all are going to have to um, have done on you. So uh, uh, their message was, glad you're a follower of Jesus. Welcome to the church. Now line up, boys. We've got some surgeons ready to go to business on you. Um, I want you to understand that what they were saying had some biblical ammunition to it. Um, this physical mark on the flesh, this covenantal sign, actually had some, some pretty good biblical evidence, if you will. Uh, if you have your Bible, go to Genesis 17. I want to show you. So, so when they came, um, they thought that God was on their side. They, they thought that uh, the Bible supported their thinking. Genesis 17, verse 9. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you, generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Okay, we got it. Uh, everybody after you, Abe, listen, here it goes. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You're to undergo circumcision. It'll be the sign of the covenant between you and me. For generations to come, every male born among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or those who are foreigners, slaves, it doesn't matter, circumcised. So um, they were sincere, they were devout, and they had Genesis 17 speaking up for them. So when we come back to Acts now, chapter 15, they were pretty sure they were right. This is the most basic sign that separates Jews from all of their pagan neighbors. Okay, this, this is it. This is the physical sign that you are a devout follower of Jehovah God. So, when they travel hundreds of miles to Antioch, what was their message? Welcome to the church. Welcome to Jesus. Now get in line. It's circumcision time. Do you, do you suppose that might have had some effect on the evangelistic crusades of the day? Um, I think I may be needing to pray about this Jesus stuff a little more. Um, anyway, uh, you got the idea. Now go on to verse 2. Paul and Barnabas catch wind of their message of circumcision. And it says, look at verse 2, there is sharp debate. Uh, pointed, ugly, critical, biting, slicing words is the idea. They're mad, and, and the Pharisees are angry too. How dare you let them come into the church and leave out circumcision? So lots of ugly, heated words between the Pharisees and Paul and Barney. Okay? Um, so verse 2, would you look at it? So uh, the church does something very wise. Um, they appoint Paul and Barnabas. Some of the other believers, probably some of the Pharisees, you need to go up to Jerusalem. 
you need to go and share the dispute with the apostles and the elders because you got a good question and home church better answer that really hard question. Got it? Uh, you need to go and carry this question to the apostles and the elders and the head church there in Jerusalem and let them issue uh, a conclusion. Let them listen to it, and, and they need to come to some good answers. So they went on their way, Paul, Barnabas, probably some of the uh, Pharisee followers of Christ, and they travel through, it says, Phoenicia and Samaria, and all the time they're going, what are they, what are they doing? Verse 3, what are they doing everywhere they go? You're not going to believe this, but thousands of Gentiles have said yes to Jesus. And, and everywhere they went, they kept stopping and having, isn't Jesus great parties? And you're not going to believe this, but we preached, and thousands and thousands of Gentiles all over the ancient world are followers of Christ. They, they're, they're just like us, and everywhere they went, that was their message. Verse 4, arrive back at the church, and again, Paul and Barnabas, that, that, that's the only thing on their mind. We're amazed. God did a great thing, and he used us as his spokesmen. But verse 5, please understand, the Pharisees, the, those that were convinced the Old Testament law, circumcision, they hadn't changed their mind. What does verse 5 say? Um, uh, they stood up and they say to the apostles and the elders, the leaders there, uh, the Gentiles must be circumcised. And that's not all. That's really not enough but they also are to be required to keep the law of Moses. Um, we've been keeping it all these years. We've been devout. We've been sincere. Now they've said yes to Jesus. They need to keep the Old Testament law as well. And again, they thought they were right. They had Genesis 17 on their side. And, and I'm sure they were quoting that. And then it says, this is, this is what they did after... After much discussion, verse 6, they talked and they listened. And, and it's like the leaders said, okay, tell, tell us your thought, April. And they just listened. Oh, and, and, and tell us some more. And get it all out, get it all out. Look at verse 6, after much discussion. And, and just keep talking, keep laying it on us, okay? And, and the leadership listened to their views. And, and they talked and they asked and they, and they listened. And after much discussion, verse 6, verse 7, finally Peter, the lead apostle, does what? He stands and he says, um, okay, we've heard you, we've listened. After much discussion, Peter addressed them. And here's what he said, verse 7, look at it. God wants all people to be saved. We know that. We've already seen it. I've already been used by God to reach Gentiles. So here's his first point, verse 7. God wants everybody, Jews and non-Jews, to be saved. Verse 8, Gentiles are already getting saved. You know that. And they're already receiving the very same Holy Spirit that we received. Do you see that in verse 8? That, that he wants all men to be saved. And they're getting the very same Holy Spirit we had. And verse 9, this would have been hard for them to swallow. And guess what? God doesn't like us better. 
I know we think that because we're Jews, we're the chosen ones, but guess what? Verse 9, God doesn't like us any better. He purifies their sins just like he purifies ours. He doesn't like us any better. Verse 10, this this is a, a really interesting verse. Now then, Peter asked, why do you try to test God? Is it good to test God, number six? What's the answer? They would have known that. No, I don't want to be tested. Why are you testing God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke? Stop for a second. What's a yoke? And it doesn't have to do with eggs, right? Uh, a, a yoke was what you put on two oxen normally, and for them to work together, you'd have this big wooden uh, instrument. It would hold them together and enable them to work. It was heavy. It was awkward. It was painful. It was a burden. But that's what they used for oxen to get them to work together. Now verse 10, look what he's saying. Why are you throwing this yoke? Why are you putting this burden on the necks of Gentiles? And this was a burden that we couldn't even bear. Track with me now. We're Jews... And we grew up with the Old Testament law. We grew up with the rules and the regulations and the laws. And we couldn't do it right. We were always coming up short. We were always messing. Because if you, if you violate one part of the law, you violated what? All of the law. So we couldn't do it. So why are you throwing it on them? Jews couldn't keep the law There's no way Gentiles are going to keep the law. Conclusion, no. Verse 11, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. Did you you see verse 11? No. We believe it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. I am saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Can we say, say it again with me? I am saved by grace through faith in Jesus. About six of us have it now. Are you ready? Here we go. I am saved, say it, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the conclusion here. It's faith alone in Christ alone. That's the real gospel. That's Peter's conclusion. There is no other gospel other than faith alone in Christ alone. And that is what alone brings salvation. Verse 12, uh, Paul and Barnabas stand up and they say, we agree. <laughs> We've seen the same thing. God's working in the Gentiles just like he worked with us Jews. And then they sit down. And now it's James' turn to stand. Verse 13, James was the leader of the Jerusalem church, probably the, the senior pastor, the senior elder, if you will. He was the half-brother, earthly half-brother of Jesus. And uh, we know he's the leader now. And here's what he says, verse 14. Uh, Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. What's he saying here? Anybody? Um, He's saying the Lord's already saved the Gentiles. And oh, by the way, they didn't know the Mosaic law, and they haven't been circumcised. Newsflash, they're already saved. God has already seen fit. 
to save them. And there's no circumcision or law involved. And then, verses 15 to 18, um, James quotes from the Old Testament. He's quoting from Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. Let me work it through with you, okay? It says, David's seed, that's who? Jesus will fall, be killed, crucified, rebuilt and restored, uh, raised from the dead. A remnant will seek him. Some Jews will believe in Jesus as Messiah, but it's just a remnant. And the Gentiles will too. That's what we're talking about here. Christians from all over the ancient world. Christians from Antioch and all around the cities that Paul and Barnabas visited. Okay? James is saying, the Old Testament predicted this day would come. God's word's going to go out not just to Jews, but to Gentiles. And the day has arrived, and we're witnessing this right now. Verse 19. I like this verse. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. You know that's, that's what salvation is, is all about, right? We're going this direction, and, and, and how do we turn? We, we, we do this, this turn, and now we turn and we run to the cross. That's what it's all about. It's a turning, and he said, we shouldn't make it impossible for them to turn and run to Jesus Christ. And if you add circumcision in the Old Testament law, most of them won't turn. That's his point. Um, verses 20 and 21, this is kind of interesting. Um, he says, uh, we need to watch out for the Jews who still don't know Jesus yet. Most of the Jews have said no thank you to Jesus as Messiah. So we, we need to reach them, so here's what we need to do to make sure we're not offensive and a stumbling block. Instead, we should write to them telling them, to abstain from, pollu from food polluted by idols. Um, what's that all about? Well, 1 Corinthians 8, 8 talks about it. Romans 14 talks about it. And, and it's this. They would offer food to their, their little G gods, and then they'd take it and sell it in the local butcher, and they'd buy it, and it would eat it because it was good food. It was good meat. But the Jews found that offensive. And, and he says here, don't offend the Jews. D don't, don't throw that in their face. 1 Corinthians 8.8, 8, Romans 14 says, it's not sin, but it's wrong if you cause your Jewish brother to stumble and they won't want anything to do with the cross as long as they're seeing you eating meat offered to idols. Um, continue on. Stay away from sexual immorality. How many times is that in the New Testament? Anybody guess? About 50 times. So there's a whole lot of sexual immorality involved with the pagan worship. Really what he's saying here, stay away from that pagan stuff. It involves temple prostitutes and all sorts of garbage. Stay away from all that garbage. Stay away from meat, strangled animals from blood. That's the third thing. Because uh, Leviticus 17, 10 to 14 the Jews can't handle it if they see blood and meat and, and you're involved. So, so just for the sake of unity, for the sake of reaching the, the lost Jews, just stay away from that. You can give that up. It's not a big deal. And then, 
they do one more really smart thing. They write it down. Okay? So if you look starting um, in verse 23, they said, um, Church at Antioch, you ask us a question. Here's the answer. And they write down their conclusions. Uh, here's the big conclusion. Gentiles don't need to obey the Mosaic law. You don't need to put on them the rules, the, the regulations, the laws of Moses. They don't need to be circumcised. Just let them come into faith in Jesus Christ. And then talks about making sure you don't offend the Jews with your behavior. So, um, what's the takeaway for us? What should we learn today from this dispute, hot dispute going on? Um, I'm going to offer you three things, uh, but the first one, um, we're going to turn in your Bible to Galatians 3. So would you turn there? And if you don't have your Bible, maybe somebody sitting near you will, uh, will let you look on with them, okay? Uh, what did you learn in church today? Sharing. Yeah, bring your Bible. We're going to share, right? Okay. Galatians 3. Here's the first thing that we got to learn uh, about Moses' law and circumcision and faith in Jesus Christ. Here, here's what Paul said to the church at Galatia. Uh, you foolish Galatians. <laughs> you know this isn't happy talk. Uh, who has bewitched you? Who's tricked you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like you to learn one, I'd like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Uh, what are you doing? You've accepted Jesus Christ by faith alone, in Christ alone, and now you're going back to rules and laws and regulations? Are you crazy? Who's tricked you? Who's deceived you? Why are you listening to them? You came to Christ by faith. How do you live the Christian life? What's the answer? By faith. You came by faith. You live today by faith. For we live by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. I said this earlier. The Old Testament is a mirror. It shows us not measuring up. I'm a sinner. The Old Testament is a mirror, not a ladder. Maybe that'll help you. It, show, it reveals that, that we desperately need a Savior, but there is no solution in the law. It only shows us how desperate we are as sinners. The Old Testament law cannot remove sin. That's going to require the new covenant. That's going to require Jesus. Second thing, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, if you would, please. Hebrews chapter 10. I'll read it for you. Verse 1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, the law can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw to worship. You're coming every year offering, the, it, it, but it's not making you right. It's not cleaning you. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all. 
and will no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body prepared for me. What did Jesus offer once for all? His body on the cross of Christ. Um, Here's what the new covenant points to over and over and over again. You ready? It points to Jesus. The New Testament, the new covenant of the New Testament keeps pointing to Jesus is salvation. Jesus isn't just the way of salvation. Jesus is my salvation. Does that make sense? He is my salvation. And it doesn't just teach me how to be saved. It teaches us how to live a saved life. And how do I do that? I walk daily with Christ. I stay connected. I abide. I I stay full of his spirit. That's the way of salvation. Third, if an Old Testament law or command is repeated in the New Testament, what should we do with it? Think with me. If there's an Old Testament law, rule, regulation, and now it's repeated in the New Testament, what should we do? Obey it. Follow it. Yeah. Put it into practice. Let me give you an example. Exodus chapter uh, 20 and verse 12, honor your father and mother. Did you know that's repeated in Ephesians 6, 1 and 2? Children, obey and honor your parents. Uh, better, uh, better live that one out, right? Better obey it because it's repeated there. But where Old Testament rules, regulations, and laws are not repeated, track with me, then that's for the Jews. That's for Israel, and therefore I am not obligated to put that yoke on my neck, nor are you. If it's not repeated in the New Testament, then that's for Israel and the Jews. I read the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. Anybody love the Old Testament? It's my favorite. God's character, God's heart, God's power, God's plan. We see how God dealt with people. And uh, we see the great principles that are timeless for us. But the law that we are under today, you ready? It's the law of Christ. Uh, The law that you and I live today is this. Love the Lord your God, Jesus Christ. How are we supposed to love him? With all of our what? With all of our soul. With all of our, with all of our, come on, hold your guns up. Show them off. Come on. All my strength. That's the law we're under today. And that's what we are required to, to submit to. It's the law of Jesus Christ. A new contract, a new covenant. Um, this morning, there's someone here who's been out of a job for a year. And they've been living in their car the last couple months. Um, and if you get close to them, you'll realize they haven't changed clothes in a week or two. Um, and, and if you get too close, you'll recognize they haven't um, had access to a toothbrush in a while. And uh, their face is uh, not looking, their skin is dirty. And if they get too close, there's strange aromas coming your way. Now here's my question. Could the Lord save that person this morning? What's the answer? You, you mean... Do they need a bath in order to become a follower of Jesus Christ? No. 
because Jesus is their bath, is he not? When you come to faith in Christ, Jesus brings the spiritual bath. And he is the one that brings cleansing and purification. Salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, right? And, and it's by grace through faith. Here's the problem. We start adding stuff. What we're saying is, no, you, you need to come to faith in Christ, but you need, you need to clean up a bit. You need to do this, and you need to do that, and, and you need to do this other thing. We're adding to the gospel. And when we add to the gospel, it, it's like this wonderful picture. It's a masterpiece. Pick your favorite. I like Monet myself. And I thought I could help Monet out, so I, I got my magic marker out, and, and I just added a few things to the Monet. And you would say to me, what are you thinking? <laughs> what, what are you doing? You don't mess with a Monet. Are you ready for this? You don't mess with the gospel. It's perfect. And when we add to the gospel, we mess it up. And if your life is a mess here today, if uh, today you are dirty and smelly spiritually, can I just tell you, you don't need to get cleaned up to come to Jesus. You just come to Jesus by faith. He'll clean you up. He'll make you clean and pure. Come as you are. Salvation is faith in Jesus Christ plus what? What is this? Hold up the universal sign for nothing. Zip. Salvation is faith alone in Christ alone plus, hold it up, nothing. That's the new covenant. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. Lord, uh, thank you that we don't have to work or strain or earn or merit or uh, jump through laws and hoops and regulations in order to be followers of your son, Jesus. Thank you that new life is given by grace through faith, period. No additions. We, we praise you for that. And uh, Lord, forgive us for the temptation that we have, all of us do at times, to add to faith. To add to the cross, to add to the empty tomb. And we got all sorts of things that we're tempted, works and law, to add. And Lord, if there's anyone here today who's lost and dirty and sinful, may they realize they don't need to get clean and good before they can come to your son Jesus as Savior and Lord. We praise you they can come just as they are and by saying yes to the cross and yes to the empty tomb that will bring them forgiveness and cleansing and grace by faith. So work powerfully in hearts and lives today and now as the ushers come forward Lord we're pleased to give to the needs of uh, our family, brothers and sisters who are in need. Thank you that we can give to our neighbors in Charlevoix, Emmett County, who uh, need uh, a basket of food. So thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Lord, please bless these gifts, and uh, may they bring hope and encouragement to many. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.